What's up, y'all, and welcome to the Jack Vita Show. I am your host, Jack Vita. Today is February 4th, 2020. I'm back in action after a brief two-week hiatus. My computer was actually broken, so I was without a laptop for the last two weeks, but I got a new one, and now I'm back in action. Today's episode is going to be rather different from what we normally do on this podcast. Normally, I hop on, have a guest, we make some jokes, we laugh, we talk about sports. Unfortunately, some heartbreaking, devastating news broke during the time that I was out of action. I didn't want to ignore it. I wanted to dedicate an episode to Kobe Bryant, John Altabelli, and the many lives that were lost in this very saddening, tragic helicopter crash that occurred in Calabasas, California, just over a week ago on Sunday morning, January 26th. I know that a lot of people are hurting right now. Kobe Bryant was a global icon, and his death really sent shockwaves throughout our society here in America and around the world as well. I want to talk not only today about Kobe But I want to talk about some of these other people that we lost in this horrible tragedy. We all know about Kobe and his daughter Gianna, and we're going to spend a lot of time talking about them today. But first, I'm going to bring on my friend, Daniel Delaney, who actually played for Coach Altabelli at Orange Coast College. John Altabelli was a baseball coach for 27 years there. And my friend, Dan, I'm very fortunate to have Dan in my life. He's a great friend. He spent a year with Coach Altabelli, playing for Coach Altabelli and the Orange Coast Pirates down in Santa Mesa, California. Dan joins me right now. Dan, thank you so much for joining me. First of all, I'm so sorry for your loss and everything that you and your baseball family is going through right now. How are you doing in this present moment? Um, you know, I'm, I'm past, uh, past the point of sorrow um, for Alto and his family uh, and, and Kobe and, and really, you know, everybody involved. Um, but uh, so that's nice. But, uh, you know, I'm just happy for this, this uh, opportunity to talk about Alto, talk about uh, who he was and what he did and just uh, encourage people out there to, to kind of be like him. And, uh, you know, I appreciate this opportunity really to talk about him. Absolutely. I appreciate you being able to come on here and to do so. Also, I should bring up this helicopter crash did not happen very far from where you grew up, did it? Yeah, that's right. Um, so so it, was, it happened in uh, Calabasas. I think they even headed to Thousand Oaks, and Thousand Oaks is, is where I grew up. Um, I don't think Kobe had his, his kind of, uh, the tournament going on when I was growing up, but, uh, yeah, I mean, not, not far from home at all. So that was, that was, that was part of the shock of it all. Um, and, uh, what was crazy kind of, of just hearing this news is, is when you first hear, you know, first thing you hear is Kobe, uh, passed away and you kind of think, oh, well, that's, that's just not real. You know, Kobe didn't just pass in a, in a helicopter crash and, and, uh, he did, um, obviously, unfortunately, but I actually didn't find out about my coach, my, my, you know, Alta Belly, um, until later that night, I got a text from 
my, the coach that recruited me out of OCC, uh, to Valparaiso university, which is where I'm at now, um, or Valparaiso, the city of Valparaiso, um, saying, you know, giving condolences for losing my coach. And immediately I, I went, Oh my gosh, he was in the helicopter with, with Kobe only because I knew that, you know, their daughters were on the same team, you know, that, that all of daughter was playing ball with, um, Kobe's daughter and, uh, and that they were, you know, they had a good relationship, my coach and, and Kobe. And so it was just amazing how, how, how much of a snap decision in my mind, it was like, Oh my gosh, he went down in that helicopter. And it's just, hmm. yeah, that, that broke my heart. Yeah. When was the last time you spoke with your coach? It's been a little while. It's probably been a year or so. Um, but all the belly was always a guy that, that you could kind of pick up, you know, right where you left off. Um, you know, he was always willing to do favors as I, as I was pursuing, um, professional ball, you know, he wasn't afraid to, uh, use his voice to, to help me in that pursuit. So, um, that's, that's probably the last time when I, when I, about when I hung up my cleats, which have been a year, year and a half ago. How'd you end up getting to play for him? Why don't you tell that story and what that was like? Yeah, so I started off at, at Fresno State. Um, I walked onto the team there, um, huge part of my, my personal testimony. Um, my second year, I realized that kind of no matter what I did, I wasn't going to play. So um, we actually had another I was a catcher. Another catcher uh, who had just come from OCC said, hey, if you're going to leave, like there's only one place you're going to go, and that's OCC. Um, you know, and he built up the program as a whole, but he especially built up Alta Valley. So, um, I talked to another coach, uh, coach Mac, um, you know, they, they had me out. They, you know, I hit and, and threw for them and it was, it was kind of funny, you know, you're a division one, uh, drop back and they were like, Hey, no, we still, <laughs> we still want to make sure you're a good person. You're a good guy. You know what you're doing. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I just got to meet him and, and, and that was great, but I didn't, you know, really get my opportunity to, to sit down with him, you know, until starting school at OCC. And, um, yeah, so I credit, uh, Trent Woodward, um, with, uh, saying, you know, <laughs> basically telling me where to go. Um, and I, you know, I don't, uh, I, I wouldn't take it back at all. So you end up at OCC. I was there. I think we had nine or maybe even 10 other dropbacks from division one programs. I mean, this was now OCC and really the OEC, um, as a, as a conference in whole, the orange empire conference, um, man was just packed with talent. And that was, I mean, that was great in itself, but, but yeah, OCC, we had about nine dropbacks. Um, and I mean, so you're, you're talking, this is a team full of guys who played division one, guys who are just out of high school, guys who were sitting the bench, guys who, I mean, just a, a mishmash of, of college talent, all, all within this junior college team. And um, we were preseason, we were ranked number one in the nation. Um, we lost the game. <laughs> we lost a couple games. Um, but then, and then we finished, <clears throat> finished the season as, as number one in the nation as well. And we won um, the California State Championship uh, that year, which California is a little weird. It, it's the only state that kind of has its own championship, and then every other state has <laughs> uh, <laughs> their, their championship. So, uh, but, 
Yeah, I mean, we we just had such a, a packed team. Um, it was it was a very fun year. That's so cool. So, how did Coach Altabelli impact you? You know, I th- I think it, it, the biggest thing that that I want to get across to people is he is or was um, exactly what you wanted in a coach. All right, he wasn't just successful off the field or on the field. He was successful off the field. I mean, he um, had such a big heart. And now, I, this is something he learned. He had the humility to to kind of turn, because I know in, in earlier in his uh, career as a coach, I think he <laughs> was a little bit more of a yeller. But, I mean, by the time <laughs> I got to him, he was just, you know, he was laid back the majority of the time. He got fiery when he really needed to get fiery. Um you know, he just stuck up for us as, as individuals. He stuck up for other coaches when they needed to, when they need to be stuck up for. He just, he just found this great balance. And, um, you know, and that's, that's the on the field. And off the field, he, um, he kept uh, the memories of some of the players. Um, there's, there's one of the players that was under him, I think, um, in 07. I may be wrong, but in 07, uh, passed away. And it was, it was just a terrible terrible event and and all the belly you know constantly brought him up you know his number was 22 um jay watt and uh just constantly kept this memory of of who this kid was and 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 what made him different and uh his dad actually was one of our coaches even he brought him out to the to the field um and so i mean between that between he he had us go out and commit time to uh the Megu uh, foundation, the never ever give up foundation. And, um, you know, it, it was just more about, about building us up as people, you know, sure. Yeah. He wants to have success and he wants us to play good ball, but you know, maybe he knew he was getting that talent. Maybe he knew, uh, you know, that, that the area that he was, the junior college that he, he coached for, he was going to get the talent and he just wanted to, to develop kids. And, you know, as, as much as I've hung up my cleats and as much as much as I don't necessarily coach, you know, that's if, if I give lessons or if I do anything baseball wise or anything sports related or really anything, it's so much less about the sport and it's so much more about character development. It's so much more about, um, just building people up and, and, uh, encouraging them, supporting them. And, and, uh, yeah, I mean, that's just the, the biggest thing I've seen it. And one of the nicest things out of all this is I may be, I'm probably the only guy or, or you know, outside of the, uh, outside of California that probably sees about half or more room for Kobe and half for this coach, uh, coach all belly. Um, and it's just so nice to see, um, you know, I see guys who, who rode the bench, who, who, who didn't play much are crediting, you know, coach Alto with, um, uh, being such a big impact in their lives. And I mean, it's just, it's just a really cool thing to see. It really is. I'm getting a little choked up thinking about it. Mm. Well, that's so cool. Something I remember, it was either you posted this on Facebook or you texted it to me, was one of the things that he did was he really created an amazing community with the program in the sense of mm-hmm. y- you know all these guys from previous teams that you didn't even play with and you've developed friendships. Can you tell us a little bit about what that community is like? Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it's not like he was like, hey, you know, you guys really should hang out with, <laughs> you know, past and future pirate, you know, pirates, we're the pirates. Um, 
it's just been amazing. You know, some of the people I reached out to first were not people that I played with in that year. They were, they had played for, for OCC prior mainly. And I mean, you just, there's a, there's a sense of, I don't know if it's pride, but there's just a sense of, I mean, it really is a community better than, than really any other place I've been where it doesn't really kind of matter who you are. Like you played at OCC, like you're just part of that family. And we're, we're all really grieving right now. I mean, um, you know, and the, and the, the guy who's taking his spot, I, I coach Nate is, is I think going to do a fantastic job, but yeah, I mean, it, it really was amazing to realize like, Oh, I have friendships and I, I know people within the baseball community that I'm just like, Oh, you played at OCC. Like, that's, that's awesome. And, and we just have be able to connect on so many different levels, whether it's, you know, inside jokes or, or obviously, you know, the, the, the J Wad and the, the 22 and, and the Negu foundation and just some of the, the um, sayings that, that Alto kind of instilled. I mean, it's, it really was and is um, an amazing community to be a part of where I could, I know I could go right back to OCC and just be like, yeah, I played here in, you know, 2014, we won state and people would know about it, you know? They'd, they'd understand who that team was. We knew of we knew of a team who didn't even play, who didn't even um, win their state championship. Uh, you know, they're, they're two years prior to us. Yeah, I think it's just it's it's really an amazing thing to be a part of. At the end of the day, did you know his family at all? You know, the the um, they were around all the time. Um, his family were were a big part of who he was. Um, JJ is, you know, probably close to 30. He survives. Um, he's, he's his son. And then he had, um, he has a surviving daughter as well. Who's 16. And, and, um, and my heart just goes out to them. Obviously JJ's 30, you know, he's, he's got a little bit more stability, but, um, leaves behind this daughter that's 16 years old and in high school. I mean, I just can't imagine that. Um, but I mean, they just, they were part of who Alto was, um, by the time I got around OCC and, and, uh, man, it just, it just kills me to think that, um, three, three members of that family went down in that, that helicopter. Yeah. Even for JJ, just to think to lose three family members in one yeah. fell swoop like that with no preparation, my heart just breaks for that family. Just cannot imagine what they're going through right now. Dan, would you like to tell your favorite Coach Alto story? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Let me think. You know, I think, I think it's, it, it's a good example of, of he got fiery when he, when he needed to. There is, there is a game against, um, gosh, I think it was Long Beach, uh, junior college out of Long Beach. And, I mean, we were, listen, baseball is a game of failure. Like, you fail a lot. But we were just doing some some boneheaded things, especially for how talented of a team we had. And I think it was the only time the whole season that all about like I mean, he just knocked the whole you know water cooler off the bench and just just like you know he screams and he he says some things. But uh, <laughs> but you know I think that was just like that was how even keeled he was. That's how much he was just like man, you guys just go out and play. You guys know how to play. And he didn't he didn't. Um, hold our failures, you know, really against us. But to, to blow up one game out of 60 plus, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's pretty amazing, especially when 
especially when you got other coaches that are going off every single game. And I, you know, I think that that's between that and just going out to the, uh, the Negu foundation and just really seeing his heart, um, to getting all of us out there. And, and, you know, we packaged up, uh, some Mason jars and just some care packages and just, you know, <laughs> oddly enough, those are the two things. And I, I, it's so endearing that, um, you know, to be a good coach and to, to love properly, sometimes you got to get a little fiery and yet you also, you know, have have a love for a foundation have love for 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 doing things properly and and caring for people who who need to be cared for so i guess so i gave you two when you asked for one (laughs) that's great is there anything that we as the listeners to this podcast the people who are not directly impacted by this tragedy is there anything that we can do to help this family out so i mean uh, there, there are a couple of GoFundMe's, you know, primarily towards um, the 16 year old, and I mean that's great, and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll get you the links to those. But I mean, the biggest thing, uh, you know, I think is just to pray over that situation. Money's not, money ain't gonna heal that. Um, mm. Time eventually will, but just to, just to pray over them, um, and uh, the survivors, pray over the pirate community, OCC community. I mean, um, it's just a, it's just a great one. I mean. Um, I think 2000 plus people came out two days after that, that crash was, was opening day for baseball out in junior college or wow. out, out in California. Um, and I think 2000 plus people came to a stadium that can fit 500. Um, so yeah, just, just pray with that situation and, and lift them up. Um, just in what they're dealing with. That's, that would be my ask. I cannot imagine what it must have been to have this dominating news story because really I was listening. I'm going to talk a little bit more about this after uh, we finish up this call here on the podcast. I listened. There's a great interview that Ernie Johnson and Charles Barkley did with one of the victim's husbands, Christina Mauser's husband. And he was talking about the fact when something like this is a national news story, you cannot turn on the TV because it's just going to keep bringing back that pain because the, the it's been a news story for the last week. Uh, I can't imagine mm-hmm. what it must be like. It's it's impossible to escape from in this current day of social media and everything. Right, right. Um, you know, for me, uh, it's it's now. I mean, when you're the husband, when you're a direct relative, man. That's just, yeah, that's just gotta be raw. Um, for guys like me, you know, and I, I know our, our community, like it's like it kind of said, it's, it's kind of nice to see all the things coming out for Alto. Um, and just, just his family. Um, but like I kind of said, you know, you kind of mentioned that I may be the only person that was posting about Alto on my, you know, Facebook timeline, on my, on my stuff. I mean, it's literally half and half for Kobe and, and Alto and, and he, you know, he's been recognized by the, um, Juco, you know, baseball association. I, I, I may be wrong, but I think he even won the national coach of the year last year. Fact check me on that. But, um, I mean, it, it was recently where he was the national coach of the year. Yeah, it was last um, year. It was last year. Yeah. And, uh, he, he, in, in my timeline, he's received, you know, a lot of recommendation and that's just, that's just awesome to see. It's just great to see 
the impact and, and, and really be humbled by, you know, kind of knowing the person who's going to leave a legacy, his name's going to be stamped on that, on that stadium. And that's great, you know, and obviously, obviously we'd still rather have him, but it's just, it's just cool to see he's being recognized. And, uh, I mean, not in any way taken away from the other victims, but, uh, yeah. Definitely, Dan. I heard that the players did something to recognize him. Didn't a bunch of your former teammates and alumni from the program gather at the stadium last week? Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, people were were there immediately. People were there for the first game. You know, they they got shirts. They got they got a banner that said the house that also built because I mean, he really did. This this man you know, helped lead four teams to state championships in the last 10 years. Um, uh, and it's just, I mean, I know now, unfortunately I'm in Indiana, but I know, I mean, if I was in California to any stretch of the imagination, I would have been there. I mean, and I, I don't know of a guy who was in California, um, who wouldn't have been there. I, I, one of my buddies, it was his birthday. <laughs> wow. And, uh, he was, a, he was a, he was a former player and he was out there, you know, just, I mean, cause, they're there to support. They're there to be there because, you know, they realize they realize the impact. Last thing I yeah. wanted to bring up, and I want to give you a chance to just share any other thoughts that you weren't able to voice yet. Dan, it's weird. You really are connected to a lot of stuff here with your Southern California ties, your ties to this program. The other thing I thought of was you and I were watching Kobe's last game in his career together in my dorm room back in, uh, 2016. Hmm. Well, yeah, I wouldn't have thought of that, but yeah, you're right. <laughs> I just thought of that as we were talking, we saw that last game where he put up 60. It was amazing. That's right. Just kept passing him the rock. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well. That's, that's humbling because I, I, I yeah. I'm not the biggest, uh, basketball guy as it is. I've, obviously, you know, Kobe is, but, uh, yeah, that, that, is a, that is a nice thing to think about. Yeah. So, Dan, you got any other thoughts you want to leave us with here? Anything you wanted to bring up that uh, you haven't been able to yet? Honestly, nothing's coming to mind. You know, I think, I think I've been able to um, kind of just express my, you know, gratitude for, for being recommended to go down to OCC. I mean, it was just – it was a blast. You got, I got a great role model as a coach. And, uh, you know, it really sparks me to get back into the coaching world to one degree or another. And just, um, yeah, I mean, just, just what a guy and, and just to his family to, um, I mean, you don't want to make this about one person that was, you know, one of nine. I mean, they're all just, they're all lives lost. Um, it's all an impact. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, one of those things that remembers uh, or helps you remember that uh, we're mortal and uh, yeah, live our life the way uh, the way we should. Amen to that, man. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. You're going to need to come back sometime during baseball season. Yeah, talk about a, <laughs> a less sober uh, topic, but no, absolutely. <laughs> Whenever you want to hear my hot takes on on uh, anything, you just let me know. All right, thank you so much, Dan. Appreciate it, brother. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. Wow. That was definitely emotional. That was 
very raw, and I'm so thankful that Dan was able to join me to hear more about the life of Coach John Altabelli, gone far too soon at the age of 56. He mentioned they were right about to start their season, and they lost their coach. That's devastating. He went down in that helicopter with his wife, Carrie, and their daughter, Alyssa, as we mentioned on this podcast. And one of the things I want to do today was pay tribute and respect to the other people that lost their lives in this crash. Rightfully, we have talked about Kobe, and rightfully so. But what I don't want to be overlooked is the fact that everybody's life is valuable. Everybody's life is significant. And while we might not have known, the other seven victims besides Kobe and besides Gianna, there were seven other people on that plane in addition to those two. All those people had loving families. All those people were significant and left a huge impact on the world. They just might not have had the same kind of platform and stage to reach as many people as those two did. But let's not forget that we also lost seven people, fathers, daughters, wives, mothers. In addition to the Altabellis and the Bryants, Sarah Chester and her daughter Peyton Chester, Christina Mauser, who was the coach of the Mamba team, and the helicopter's pilot, Ara Zabayan. Unfortunately, I do not have any ties or connections to the remainder of these people. If I did, I would have reached out to someone that knew them personally so that we could get a firsthand account and firsthand story like we did with Dan and the Altabellis. I'm so glad we were able to do that. Here's what I want to recommend, and I suggested this earlier. I, I mentioned, made a mention to this when I was talking to Dan. Charles Barkley and Ernie Johnson have a new podcast out called The Steam Room. And in their latest episode from last week, they talked with Christina Mauser's husband. And in that interview, you hear that emotion. You hear that firsthand account. And what I loved about it was we were able to hear about someone else. Someone else's important life story. Kobe's life was so amazing and so great. And we're going to talk about Kobe in just a little bit. But these other people that lost their lives, their lives were so important and so meaningful too. Michaela Perkins joins me next. She's an ESPN Phoenix radio personality. She also works in media relations for the Phoenix Mercury. She's got a Kobe Bryant story. I'm going to have her tell it. Michaela was so kind to join me to preview the MLB playoffs just a few months ago. And I'm sure I'll be talking to her again sometime this baseball season. Michaela, thank you so much for joining me right now. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to talk about some uh, basketball and Kobe and all that good stuff. Yeah. So I want you, can you please tell me the story you had mentioned to me before we got on this call that there was a game that Kobe showed up at, and we know that Kobe was a big proponent of the women's game. Yeah, so um, Kobe actually 
flew to Phoenix with his daughter, Gianna, and their entire Mamba basketball team. And he set up an entire meet and greet for his team to meet the players of the Phoenix Mercury. They got to go into the locker room and talk with Diana Taurasi and Brittany Griner and the rest of the squad. And it was really cool to see how much Kobe cared about women's basketball on every level. It wasn't just, he wasn't just the coach of his daughter's eighth grade team. He didn't just go to college women's basketball games. He didn't just go to WNBA games. He invested and he displayed how much he respected the women's game on every single level. And so he really wanted to foster um, the love of the game in his eighth grade team. And he wanted to give them an opportunity of a lifetime by coming to a Phoenix Mercury game and getting to meet the best women's basketball player on the planet, Diana Taurasi, (laughs) as well as Brittany Griner and the rest of the Mercury squad. So it was really cool to see how much he invested in the women's game and how much he respected it on every level, not just, you know, his eighth grade team, but also the collegiate level and the professional level. So he, uh, he did that for his team and the girls loved it. It was such a cool opportunity for them. It's not every day that you get to meet the best basketball player, best women's basketball player on the planet. So it was really cool to watch them interact with the team and um, hopefully they got some good inspiration. I'm sure they did. So it was really cool. That is such an awesome story. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm curious, Michaela, do you have any other thoughts on just the impact that Kobe had in this world and what we lost here with this team? Because you got you got to see this team in person. They were all there. Yeah, I mean, obviously Kobe was an incredible athlete who performed at the highest level in every terms of this sense. The Mamba mentality is the legacy that he leaves behind that will carry on through generations. He was an incredible dad, as you could see um, with all of the posts that were shared after Kobe's passing. He really obviously cared about his daughters and the fact that um, he got to have that relationship with him is something really special, especially for fathers. Um, But the way that he invested in the women's game I think is another huge part of his legacy. You know, it's one thing to talk about supporting women, but it's another thing to actually do it. He never just said, or, you know, he never just went to games and posted, Hey, I'm at this WNBA game. I'm sideline at the Sparks game. Check it out. He invited the Sparks to come to the Mamba facility to train because he knew women's basketball was so underfunded and that he had an elite training facility. So he offered his facility to the Sparks. And it was everything that he did that showed how much he respected the game. He invested in his relationship with Sabrina Ionescu at Oregon, and he Mm -hmm. flew his team to various WNBA games. He took Gianna with him to NBA games. It wasn't just talk for Kobe. He actually showed how much he cared and respected and wanted to invest in the women's game because he proved it through his actions. And like I said before, it wasn't just, him coaching his eighth grade team he also invested in women's college basketball and the WNBA and so his passing is a huge loss for women's sports because he advocated so much for them and you know Kobe never he never needed to prove that women deserved respect because that was apparent he just made sure to be an ally and he made sure to advocate for women's basketball in the best way possible so 
Kobe's passing is tragic in many, many ways, especially considering how much he advocated for women's uh, women's athletics. Absolutely. Did you get any chance to stand close to him when he was at that game? Um, yeah, I was around him a couple times. It was really cool just to be in his presence. You know, he uh, exudes greatness. And so everywhere he went, people just stopped whatever they were doing to turn and just to look at him. And um, it was really cool getting to witness what he does in action and how much he cares and the way that he interacts with people and the way he interacted with Gianna and the way he interacted with his team was really cool. So it was, um, it was incredible getting to just be close, you know, close to him. Um, he's a once in a lifetime person. Any other thoughts you have on Kobe or the other lives that were lost in this situation? Uh, I'm just, I want to give you a chance to share anything that might be on your heart. Um, I mean, I pretty much, you know, said it all before. It's mm. just a tragic, a tragic, tragic event that um, sat on multiple levels. You know, he has a wife and three other daughters that are mourning the loss of their father and her husband and um, the, the Adebelli family as well. Um, we're close with Kobe and um, the baseball world lost an incredible coach. And so it's just um, an unfortunate situation. Um, I can't imagine being Gianna's teammates were the other families affected by this tragedy and it's really unfortunate um it's a sad it was a sad day for me yeah it was a sad day for all of us Michaela you want to throw out any of your social media handles or any of the work you're putting out right now that people should check out yeah you can follow me on twitter at Michaela E Perkins um that's pretty much where I focus most of my social media so Awesome. Well, be sure to have you back sometime during baseball season. Sounds good. I look forward to it. (laughs) Only a week away. Well, thank you so much, Michaela. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Very cool story there from Michaela. I'm so glad she got to experience that story, see that all firsthand, and be able to tell that story on here. I'm so glad she was able to join me. She always does a fabulous job. I'm glad she was able to make it on for a little bit. I'm going over to our next guest, the biggest Kobe Bryant fan that I know. This guy loved Kobe as much as you could love someone you don't know. The ultimate Kobe Bryant fan. He joins me right now. His name is Parker Gatewood. He competed on American Ninja Warrior. He's a huge NBA fan and college basketball, basketball in general. And he does some coaching now. Parker, I must say, when I heard this devastating news that broke last week, you were the first person I thought of. Uh, thanks, Jack. It's, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. I have I had a lot of people actually um, say that same thing. I probably had over 50 people reach wow. out to me and see if I was okay. Um. Yeah, it was uh, it was really shocking and obviously devastating news. But um, the amount of you know care and support that everyone had poured out um, in that time, it was it was it was cool that everyone cared so much. And it's just obviously a, a huge huge bummer, big tragedy. What drew you towards Kobe as a child? Yeah, you know, I've been so. That's I, that's another thing I've been asked 
a lot <laughs> is what was it about Kobe that like that um, affected me so much and made me feel so close to him and all that and and like every time I try to answer it, I try to put it in words and I just I don't feel like I can do it because when so Kobe was probably the first sports figure that I really paid attention to just because you know. We were Laker, we're always Laker fans, and you know, in 2000, that was when starting the three feet happened. And at that point, I'm six, right? So I didn't have much like much memory outside of like you know being in kindergarten or whatever. At that point, outside of sports, it was like it was like the Lakers, Kobe, like. The, the, my granddad managed the Angels in the 80s and 70s, so baseball was big in our house, but the, it, it was Kobe. Like, it was Kobe and Shaq. And so he was kind of the first sports figure that I ever clung on to that wasn't my own family member. And um, so that kind of started that, but and, and, and it's going to happen again. Like, I'm going to try to put in the words what Kobe meant to me and, like, how, why he affected me so much, but I'm not going to be able to do it. Um, he just was so much larger than life as like everyone knew and the way he approached working hard and just wanting to be so great. And I think the evolution of Kobe was huge too, because at the start it was kind of like, you know, he wanted to be the greatest and didn't care about anything else. And then over time, kind of changed into, you know, being this mentor while still wanting to be the greatest, but still being a sensational leader. And, you know, all the stories that you hear from players and coaches and friends and teammates and all this stuff, they're just incredible stories. We always go back to the Team USA story that that trainer from Team USA told a while back. And just it's a lot of stuff, man. I, I mean, I would spend... You know, when we were at Valpo, there there were days where I would wake up at like, you know, six a.m. or whatever, and wouldn't have anything to do, and I would start watching Kobe highlights, and the next thing I knew, it was like four p.m. <laughs> so it just like, and that would be Kobe. You know, that was in his highlights. It'd be interviews, like anything that he had out. Like I just made sure that I saw it because his philosophies on life and the way he approached working hard and the way he was as a father and just everything about that guy was just so much bigger than life and was doing such great things for the world that it just, you know, again, I, th- there's a lot more that, you know, I'd have to write it all down, but that's my attempt at putting into words what Kobe meant to me. Well, you did a great job. Really, I think the big thing is, and you know what I, I reminded me of, was we were too young to remember this, but when Mickey Mantle passed in the 90s, yeah. that was a huge deal. I remember hearing about really uh, Keith Olbermann and Dan Patrick and how they made this huge deal about it on SportsCenter. 
And the reason it was such a big deal was he was a superhero to those guys when they grew up, to that baby boomer generation. They grew up watching Mickey Mantle. He was a superhero. He was every little boy's hero. And I think it's very similar in the sense that the NBA has exploded from the time that Michael Jordan played to now. And Kobe came in the time in between. And for people our age, he's really one of the main guys that people really uh clung on to yeah no i agree 100 percent. i mean you know that that's the thing right it's like the reason the conversation before lebron really started getting years under his belt was kobe or michael and you know the conversation had kind of shifted between kobe and magic and people just kind of started to think kobe was the greatest laker of all time but in terms of the greatest ever like Kobe looked like Michael. Kobe played like Michael. He, his mannerisms were like Michael. And <laughs> it just, it, that, that was a conversation. So, like, and, Kobe, you know, Kobe had, he had everything, man. Like, he had, he had swag. He had style. He was good with the media at times. He, <laughs> like, just did everything with intensity. And, and, like, that, that's the thing is, like, he wasn't just, he wasn't just a great basketball player, right? Like he did so much more than, than just go out, play basketball, answer questions and then go home. Like this dude was an ambassador in, in China, all overseas. He spoke Spanish and Italian fluently. Like he did everything. He was a smart dude. He would learn other languages so he could trash talk other players in other <laughs> languages like this dude wasn't and here's another big thing is like Kobe wanted to be smarter than everyone else not just better at basketball like he he wanted intelligence on a different kind of level which we ended up seeing with you know him winning an Oscar and then, you know, writing a New York Times bestseller and just all this stuff. He was just getting started, man. And so it just, yeah, Kobe was that guy for a lot of people. And especially when, you know, especially when you, you born and grew up in California, like, you know, Kobe was Kobe's the guy and he never left. Like, there was a lot of time. There were times when, you know, people had reported that he wanted to leave and he even asked for trades at time, but the fact of the matter is he never left. And he stayed for 20 years in Los Angeles, California. And he was our guy. He is our guy. Like, that's just that's the way it always will be. And, yeah. One of the biggest what-ifs in the world of sports here in Chicago is what if he had gotten traded here uh, to the Bulls in some sort of deal because you remember that it was around 2007, I want to say. It was right before the Bulls ended up getting Derrick Rose. That question of what if Kobe came here and obviously Kobe loved MJ. Man, that would have been amazing on the uh, Chicago side of things, but ultimately yeah. for his career and you know his legacy as a Laker 
you don't see too many of these guys anymore, especially this current model where guys kind of move around every few years to a new team. Mm-hmm. Kobe was just an original guy. He just stayed there his whole career, which is so special. Yeah, man. It's, like, that's another thing that's different, right? It's because you know, stars nowadays don't really feel any obligation to stay with who they started with. And, you know, but you, you'll have guys like Kobe and Tim Duncan and Dirk Nowitzki that, that, you know, were those guys. And that was kind of, that was another thing that when we were growing up, that was kind of respected and, and like sought after. And if, and if a dude left a city he'd been with for a long time and went somewhere else, you know, it was kind of off-putting a little bit. But then you had guys like, you know, guys like Kobe that just did it all in one spot for a city and represented it so well. And yeah, man, and just like, it's, it's crazy to think that he spent more years playing basketball than not playing basketball professionally. Wow. Yeah. Like it's insane. Like he, I mean, when he retired, he did. Like, he played 20 years of professional basketball. So, by the time that he passed away, you know, the years not playing basketball finally caught up. But the fact that when he retired, that was how that went. Like, that's insane. Just extremely hardworking, and it's crazy. They're really, I think that's what has made this so difficult for everyone, is just the fact that there was no lead-up to this death. There's really, in these types of situations, we have no idea why these things happen in the sense that when someone has a health issue, we can point to that tangible issue that's wrong with their body. But when someone's in perfect health, seemingly on the surface, and something this sudden happens, and when they're in the public spotlight, and we had just seen him, and obviously there was that whole thing about LeBron passing his point total the night before... That is what makes this whole thing so shocking. And that, I think, is what makes it so difficult for people because there was no way for them to prepare themselves for this type of tragedy. Yeah, no, I mean, a lot of a lot of sports figures, you know, we get to see grow old and represent the game as they go on and, and still be a part of it. But then when the end is coming, you know, you kind of see it. Um, people kind of dwindle down. We... We kind of saw, you know, the with with the passing of um, David Stern, um, like you know, there been reports that he was, you know, his health was declining, and then you know, he passed away. But we can't, we, you know, we, had, we could see that one coming, and same with other greats that it happened to. And but yeah, with you know, Kobe was just getting started. Like he was a tremendous coach insanely good visionary of just anything storytelling um and he was one of the world's best fathers and it just it's just um he's just a man dude right what do you think is the proper way to honor Kobe. I know there's been a lot of talk about potentially 
retiring both his numbers, changing the NBA logo. I know the All-Star game is doing something, uh, maybe a Kobe Bryant day. What What have you thought about? Honestly, man, like, it, so first to just kind of address the thing that I've talked about, I think if they changed the logo, I think that would be awesome. I think I'd be in full support of that. I think that would be really, really cool. Um, I don't think it's going to happen, but I think that would be awesome. Um, same with retiring both of his jerseys. Like, if that would happen, that'd be, that'd be a really cool gesture. Um, but, you know, those are two pretty popular numbers because of Kobe. So I think that's why I probably wouldn't want to retire both of them is because, you know, people people wear those numbers because of Kobe and, you know, want to represent him and everything he did. Um, I honestly, and, and if it sounds cliche, like whatever, this is just purely what I think, but I think the best way to honor Kobe is to just go, just treat the game with absolute respect and treat the process the way it's meant to be treated and grind your, you know, butt off and just go after it. And I think that's how, you know, aside from like just the NBA, like anyone, the way anyone can honor Kobe is just, you know, on those days that you don't, you don't feel like doing much and, and you know, the day where you just kind of skate by and work or whatever, like, like, don't just, don't just let that be enough, you know, like get out of the funk, work a bit harder, find your passion and love it with everything you have and just, you know, love what you do and, and keep going further your progress and, never stop because you know if you can't find something you're passionate about i mean you got to find it all right like life's too obviously life is too short to do something that you don't want to do and you know kobe did everything he wanted to do and he kept doing it until you know the day passed and, and if we all followed that model we all not only um work a lot harder but we have a a lot more positivity and happiness in our lives i agree with you parker and i think what makes it so tough with figuring out in terms of if there is something that we want to do uh for kobe number one i think if we change the logo it sets a precedent for potentially what if something were to happen to a future nba superstar and then it changes again I don't really know if they can really do that. And I also, I like the fact that there's that bit of history attached to Jerry West as one of the pioneers of the NBA. Mm. So that's my thought on the logo. And the, the thing with the jerseys is I just think about Kobe and you were talking about what would Kobe want for people? I don't think Kobe would want people to never wear his jersey again. I think he'd rather have people wear his jersey and try to emulate the type of competitive nature and work ethic that you just talked about. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I think Kobe would still want his numbers being one too, but obviously, yeah, there's no way of telling, but, um, you know, but Kobe also did his own thing, right? Like 
he was eight. He made that famous. And then the reports were at the time of his number change. And they're like, why do you want to be 24? And he, he was like, to always be one step ahead of Michael. And so <laughs> it's it just like, you know, he was innovative in that way. So maybe he would want people to think of their own way. Maybe, maybe he wants someone to be 25 now. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, so, um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I think, I think it's cool what players have done where they Absolutely. are requesting from the league and are changing their jerseys and finding creative ways to do that. Like I know Quinn Cook changed his number from two to 28. So it was two and eight with Kobe and Gianna. Um, and so like, that's, that's really cool. And then, you know, other players changing, like players changing their jersey to 81 and all this other stuff. It's just, it's cool, and to you know, I think I think the thing with Kobe is Kobe was such a global icon, and not just someone. Because I think Kobe was just as inspirational to regular just people as he was to people who wanted to play or be involved with basketball. Like, I, I feel like there are people who didn't really care a ton about basketball, but they knew Kobe and they knew what he stood for and they knew what he was going to keep doing in life as it moved on. I think that affected them just as much as people who wanted to be like Kobe on the basketball court. And so I think that's why, you know, the conversation is had about like the logo and everything, because, you know, he wasn't just like another basketball player. Like this dude was a celebrity and a icon in the world. Like, for countries, you know? So, uh, yeah, but... Yeah, I think it would be cool for them to... Obviously, he's going to get a statue someday. And in addition to that, you can do a Kobe Bryant award, you can do a Kobe Bryant scholarship fund, Kobe Bryant uh, day, like like a Jackie Robinson type of thing where teams wear 8 and 24 when they play each other. Not necessarily sure how that would work, but I think that would be, in my opinion, I think that would be the best way to go about doing something like this. Yeah, I do too, man. Um, yeah, I think as long I think as long as like you know if they find a way to do it properly, and they will. It's you know obviously just a matter of time. It's still it's it's, it's crazy. It doesn't feel like it was you know, what, two weeks ago now? Week like, and a half, yeah. It, yeah, like, I mean, it's still it's still insane, man, just, like, thinking that, you know, it's not actually, like, here anymore. And so they'll, they'll figure it out with time, and, you know, the, you know, the Bryant family will, you know, they'll, they'll, have, they'll have time, and they'll continue to, to, you know that the Vanessa and Kobe Bryant family fund will grow and like well, you know it, it, it'll work out because you know <laughs> it's it's a Kobe Bryant thing like it it's gonna work out okay <laughs> well, like it, and it's gonna be the best so the like that, that's another thing people don't talk about like Kobe develops body armor body armor is easily <laughs> the second. <laughs> Like top sports drink, and it all, and it really like is coming for Gatorade. Like it just, it's all those little things, dude. See, like just talking about it, like you remember, there's like a million and a half things that just 
added to to Kobe, and it's like, yeah. So they'll fi- they'll find a way. Everyone everyone has their own way. I did an American Ninja Warrior type of tribute to Kobe earlier in the week, and like, just everyone kind of has their way of of honoring him, and we're going to continue to do that. Parker, I'm going to get you out of here on this. My last question for you. You want to share your favorite Kobe moment slash memory? Oh, gosh, dude. <laughs> oh, my. oh, man. Um, uh, oh, boy. I, dude, I'm honestly like favorite holy cow dude there's so many moments i couldn't even (laughs) like if you had to just pick one for right now it doesn't you're not making a statement for it being your all-time favorite but the first one that comes to mind in this moment what comes to mind for you the first kobe moment that comes to mind in terms of oh man i'll tell you mine while you think about it yeah yeah please do please do I just think about when he ruptured his Achilles and he went to the free throw line, sunk both free throws and walked off the court where he displayed toughness, determination, grit, and you didn't see him complaining or using, making any excuses that that is the definitive Kobe moment that comes to mind for me. And maybe it's because it came later in his career, but that's the first one I think of. Okay, so I'm glad you just said that and described it that way because, and that is, you're right, that is a sensational moment and one of, you know, thousands, millions yeah. associated <laughs> with him. Um, uh, but so I, I'm glad the way you phrased that. So I, I, I'm not going to say this is my favorite. I'm going to yeah. say it's probably the most memorable yeah. because it, it, we go, it goes further back and I remember it actually being a part of it. So, um, I think it was 2007. Um, so at that time I'm what, 13, something like that. So still, you know, still just a kid. Um, and the Lakers are playing the Suns in the first round and the, uh, Lakers are the seventh seed and the Suns are two. And the Lakers are actually up 2-1 in this series. And uh, they had this game where it was super close the entire way. And I was looking like the Suns were probably going to win, but it was super close. And all Steve Nash had to do, or all the Suns had to do, was inbound the ball to Steve Nash so he could shoot free throws and pretty much ice it. And... They got into Steve Nash, and then it was stolen by Smush Parker and with, like, time, like, seven seconds left or whatever, dwindling down. It was stolen, and then it got to Devin George somehow, and then it got to Kobe, and Kobe pulled this, like, hop Euro step and floated it up over Amari Stoudemire, and it came down. And went in. Then the game went to overtime, and then Kobe hit one of his greatest game winners of all time, where 
they were down and it was a jump ball between like Steve Nash and Luke Walton and Walton won it. And then Kobe ran all the way over to get it. And it went from one side of half court across to, to the midline and then over to the right elbow of the free throw line, fading away over hands as time expired and just nailed it. And I, I remember I was li- living in, I was living in these small apartments with just like uh, my dad and sister at the time. Um, and it was just my dad and I, and we were just, we just went nuts. <laughs> like, <laughs> that was, yeah, that, that was like, I think a most memorable, like Kobe moment in terms of his like playing career, that one, that one always comes to mind. The most memorable story is always the USA uh, trainer one, but, um, yeah, that one is, yeah. Well, Parker, we're out of time for right now. Uh, I'll definitely be having you join me sometime later in this college basketball or NBA season because we've got so much to talk about now that football's over. We're getting into the home stretch of these two great sports. I guess the same sport, but different leagues, NBA, college basketball. Is there anything else you want to get off your chest uh, quickly um, would you like to throw out your social media handles, anything of that nature? Sure, man. Yeah. Um, so I'm just, I'm just Parker B. Gatewood on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Um, and yeah, man, the only thing I would say quick is just, you know, honor Kobe, find what you love and go at it with every single piece of you that you have and all the passion in the world. And if you do that, it'll never feel like work. I'm doing that. What I do doesn't feel like work. And I just hope that everyone that listens to this and YouTube back, I just hope that everyone knows that they matter because they do. And every day is important with you on this earth. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Parker. Uh, really appreciate you making some time this morning. Always, brother. Thank you. I love what Parker had to say there at the end echoing that statement that everybody's life is important. Your life, you, whoever you are listening to this, your life is valuable. Your life has purpose. Your life has meaning. Maybe you haven't figured out what that purpose or what that meaning is right now. Maybe this time that you're going through, when you see the death of a celebrity who was in the prime of his life, maybe it has you all confused about why we're on this earth what we're doing here. A lot of times I don't know the answers to these exact questions. I can't put it into words, but I wanted to end this podcast on something hopeful. And I think I have someone here who can help me out. Our final guest for today's episode really is. I'm so glad to have him joining me. He is the pastor of my church at Harvest Deerfield road here in Illinois, in Highland park, Illinois, He's a pastor there. His name is Jake Van Gills. Jake joins me. How are you doing today, Jake? I'm doing pretty good, and I'm quite impressed. You got my last name pronunciation correct. Not many can say that on the first try. Really? Oh, yeah. Maybe it's because I, I know a, a lot of Dutchmen. That that may be part of it. Most people just look at it and say, you know what? It looks foreign. I got to say it and so it sounds like it's foreign. <laughs> 
So they usually add in a consonant or two or something like that. But <laughs> happy to be here, Jack. Thank you so much. Have you ever been on a podcast before? Uh, you know what? I, I can't say that I have or haven't. I don't know. <laughs> I might have at some point, but I can say definitively, I'm pretty sure this is the first sports podcast that, uh, that I'll be a part of. Awesome. Well, Jake, this has been a very heavy, emotional episode. Just spoke with a few people before you came on here, heard some stories about Kobe, about head coach John Altabelli at Orange Coast College, and just how this has been affecting a lot of people. And I know that this has been a bit of a downer for people over the last week and a half. People have been sad. Their lives have been impacted even though they didn't even know these people personally. My question for you, and I'm sure you hear this a lot, how can we find peace in difficult times such as these? Yeah, Jack. And, you know, this is one of those times that it's it's not easy because on one hand, it's you're hurting. And some, sometimes it's even hard to know what it is that you're hurting for because it's not like, many people that are going to be listening to this had a personal relationship with, with Kobe or his daughter. Or, um, really, whenever we have someone um, that's in a high-profile situation that passes away tragically, um, gosh, you think back on the past couple of years, you uh, got the guy from Fast and Furious. This is another time when um, when he passed away that everyone was just like just shocked and shook. And so when you look at it, you're starting to ask those questions like, gosh, what is happening? Why has this happened to people? And, and because it's so tragic, it kind of forces you to ask those questions. And so one of those is like, how can we have a hope? And I would just say the first place to start is just ask those questions. Um, you know, I will tell you that my hope and my confidence comes through my Savior Jesus Christ and the things that he reveals to us in the, uh, in his word, the Bible. Um, and one of my favorite things um, about my God is that he is unafraid of difficult questions. In fact, he kind of welcomes them. Um, David in the Psalms writes a lot of different difficult questions of God. Um, and one of the things that he asks frequently is why do the wicked prosper and the righteous suffer? And he doesn't say those things explicitly, but as you read it, you're like, oh man, I, I totally get it. It's not fair that this thing happened to this person and it. And it's not fair that this good person had these bad things happen, but and as you're kind of wrestling and answering those, trying to answer those questions on your own, you can start looking to some places that you can find that. Um, and one of those places is just knowing that um, the, the comfort that I take is that there's absolutely no delight hmm. um, in God in seeing people die. Um, he says it multiple times throughout Scripture. First Peter three nine. If you look in Ezekiel, he says frequently, "I try, I take no delight in the death of anyone, but turn and live." Um, and it's that that concept, Jack, of I will repent of my sin and I will confess. First yes. um, John one nine says, "If we confess our sins, He is um, faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness." And hope doesn't doesn't mean isn't mutually exclusive from mourning or sadness. Hope just means that there's a process to go through it. And when you don't have hope, 
sadness and mourning just kind of become these overwhelming things and they can just put you down in a real a dark, difficult place. But it's that hope that pulls you up. It's what, hope is that anchor that keeps you from falling deep into a place of just this loss. So that's kind of where I start with people is just kind of just like, all right, just throw out the questions. What are the things that are bothering you? What makes you upset? And just, just <laughs> go with it. Just yeah. be angry. It's okay. Just ask those questions because there's a lot of hope that can be found as you do that. Amen. Talk talk to God in these times is a great answer. And to pray because we know that there's so many people hurting that need yeah. our prayer right now. Yeah, and that's so such a huge piece of this. It's just like if you're hurting, man, think about the people that are that are real I mean, I've seen a couple articles about even just like uh, Shaq, who played with Kobe for years, and just his, his just he was just absolutely shaking. He's just like anything those kids need, I'm gonna help take care of them. And um, you know, for Kobe's wife and his other kids, like this is this is not gonna be easy. And there's a long road ahead of them. Um, I would just say not only praying for them for peace, but praying that the right kind of people come alongside them and say the right thing. Cause I mean, all of us know what it's like when you're in that moment. Like, so we just had our, our firstborn and the number of like things that people say when they're trying to be nice and trying to say nice things is just like, ah, I, I can see, I, I'm, I'm going to take that as what you were trying to say, not <laughs> what you actually said. Um, you know, things, and we're just like, yeah, you know, we're, we're tired. You know, he's not sleeping a whole lot. And, People were just like, well, did you try this, this, and this, and this? And they're just like, yes. And it would have been a whole lot better if you would have just, like, sympathized and just said, man, I'm so sorry. That sounds like a lot of work. Um, and so just, I would just say pray for people that come alongside them, to just say true words of uh, encouragement, things that help um, as a balm on the soul instead of something that, you know, just is abrasive and, and hurting. Amen. Yeah, I think a lot of times when people are grieving, they don't need us to say, sometimes the best thing is for us to say nothing, but to just be present, be able to listen to them, be able to talk whatever they want to talk about. It could be, they could talk about their devastation and their sorrow, or maybe they just want someone to talk about some baseball with to try to uh, (laughs) find some enjoyment in the little things. Oh, I am... My my wife tells me I I I I tend to over deflect pain with humor, um, <laughs> and so sometimes I know what that's like. You, you just need something a little bit else, and just find some sort of thing to laugh at. But everybody's different, you know. Different personalities kind of cope with it in a lot of different ways. It's one of the other things is just like having good people to come alongside you. You know, Scripture talk, tells us that believers are called to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn and it's not out of a it's not a patronizing thing it's not a a pitying thing either but it's a you know we we choose to think of ourselves less and think of others more um philippians 2 does a really great job outlining what it what a believer's life is supposed to look like um and especially in light of what Jesus Christ has done for us. If he, is the, if he humbled himself even to the point of death on a cross, then how much easier is it for us to 
just take <laughs> take a minute and just be like, I'm so sorry that you're hurting. Is there anything I can do for you? And oh, do you want me to just sit here? Do you want me to grab you a cup of coffee? Um, and you'd be surprised the amount of doors that that can open and the amount of hope that that can give someone who's hurting. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Jake. Do you have any other uh, closing thoughts, anything else you want to share while you're here? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't help but give a plug to just say, you know, if you're someone who's listening and you're hurting, whether you're hurting for something that's going on in the world right now, or if you're hurting um, because something's happening to you in your life, and don't don't just hold that in. There's a lot of people out there who would love to give you hope and share the joy that they have with you and to cry with you or to even just be a comfort. So there's a lot of great, great people out there who love the Lord and would love to see you walk through their doors. So find a church, ask for some help. There's a lot of people who would love to do that. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Jake. This was awesome. Absolutely, Jack. It's been a privilege. What great words from Jake to close this whole thing out. I hope whatever you're going through right now, if you're someone who's listening that lost someone in this horrific accident, or you lost a loved one or you have a loved one right now who's in rough shape, I hope that this is able to provide some encouragement, some hope, some peace in these difficult times. And I hope we were able to remember the lives that were lost in this horrific accident in today's episode. Thank you to everyone for listening to this episode of The Jack Vita Show. I will be back in action soon with some some more lighthearted, less emotionally heavy content. We will bring the jokes. We will bring the fun. We wanted to do something serious today. I'm glad we sure did. I will have an episode coming out over the next week previewing Survivor Season 40, Winners at War. Be on the lookout for that episode. In addition to that, some college basketball content. Season's heating up. I've got plenty to talk about, plenty to voice my opinions, especially since I missed two weeks of podcasting. I need to get back into shape. <laughs> if you want to get in touch with me on Twitter, Instagram, or wherever, my Twitter handle and Instagram handle is at Jack Vita Show. That's the name of this podcast. You can follow and subscribe to the Jack Vita Show on iTunes, and you will never miss an episode. You'll always be aware of whenever there's fresh content available. While you're there, please leave a five-star rating and review. It does a lot of good for the podcast. Tell your friends about the podcast. Trying to grow this thing. Trying to make 2020 a great year. Until next time, I'm Jack Vita. Bring in the dancing lobsters.